Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's easy to get caught up in the human nature of, of the situation. Um, you know, uh, we don't need to get on Twitter. We don't need to get on, uh, you know, turn on the, the, the TV to, to know that we're not coming through in the big spots right now. Um, you know, guys know it. Guys, you know, we, we know that we're, you know, we, we need a big hit here. We need a big hit there. Um, so, you know, guys put pressure on themselves to, to be the guy to get the big hit. And, um, you know, I really think that, uh, you know, hitting is contagious. And all it takes is, you know, one day of, of the ball bouncing our way. And next thing you know, we're, we're talking about how everybody in our lineup one through nine is coming through in a big spot. Hey, Pete, obviously from your comments uh, and just knowing you, you're an optimistic guy. Um, what would you say to maybe those in the fan base that uh, don't have an interest in the process, that really only care about the results? And right now, you know, you're not as a team getting results. Well, baseball, for not just other people, people don't view baseball as as a job. Like all of us have, have jobs that, that we do. And uh, for me, it, uh, I, I'm lucky and blessed enough for this to be my job, but my job is on TV. And this past week, it was it was a rough week for me, uh, no doubt for sure. And but everybody comes home uh, from a bad day of work. Everybody has had a bad day of work. And even though that you're trying and giving your best at work or whatever your profession, you can try, 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 and you can really dive into it and really hope that you turn things around. I mean, uh, you guys are reporters, writers, let's say if, uh, I mean, there's such a thing called writer's Brock. Like I was a history major. I had to do a ton of writing in college. Like, I mean, there's, there's certain times in the process where, you know, you're doing the right thing, you know, you're on the right path, but you're just not getting the tangible results. So Mets fans believe in us and don't just believe no because the, there's tough times, not just in baseball, but in life in general. Know that this is, this is just gonna be, this is just a speed bump and a challenge. And also smile, you get to watch baseball, even though we're, I mean, it's a game. You can, I know it's a, I know we have a, 
the most passionate fan base in baseball. I know that. And I understand that it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us, but uh, just understand that we're, we're here together. We're all in this together and they're, we got this, we got this. Just smile and just know that, that we got this. Pete was just in here talking about hard hit balls and, you know, thinking teams and, you know, the lineups in a good spot because of uh, the approach hard hit. I mean, do you think anybody's in denial right now that this thing's just going to automatically turn around? Uh, no chance. Absolutely no chance. Uh, somebody's thinking that in there. Um, I mean, this, this, this is a really, this is a special group and, we're, we're not going to stop saying that ever. I mean, as much of a struggle we run into offensively or in any other area, which I think we're doing really good. We're pitching, we're playing defense. I mean, you guys see it out there. I mean, the one thing that we're missing right now is our offense. Uh, and we believe that they're going to hit, but no one, no, absolutely no one thinks in there that, uh, or is going panic or thinking that this is just going to uh, stay for a while. I mean, we go in a day-to-day approach. We prepare. We came here to win today, and and it didn't happen. And uh, we're gonna take advantage of the day off. Either way, you know, whatever we we do, working extra or getting extra rest for the guys that need it. And we're gonna come. We're gonna show up Tuesday, ready to play the Braves. We're done with the Phillies right now. Then our next next step is to go and uh, I'm sorry, face the Nationals. Um, it, it's. It's what we do, and then no no one here thinks like that. No one, and I can assure you that. Uh, you know, Pete Alonso hit that ball hard, and you know he's frustrated that ball probably didn't left the yard. Hit it to the wrong part of the of the field, I think. The homers that were here to hit today were were to right field and and uh, and left field, left center. That's what the ball was probably carrying. You know, we didn't get a result. He didn't get a result on that ball. That that's okay. I mean, you just um, <clears throat> got to take that the the plus of the swing. And also got to look at some of the at-bats that they threw fastballs by you and grow grow uh, uh, from that. And I think that's why that's what we call the win every day uh, type of approach because we got to learn for, uh, from everything that happens in the game. And uh, I know Pete does that. He takes his notes, you know, but no one here is, uh, has the mentality that you just described. No one. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, August the 8th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well, you heard the clips coming in from James McCann and Pete Alonzo and Luis Rojas. And if you're listening to this show, you definitely have been watching over the past week to 10 days and maybe even going back to the beginning of the Atlanta series on the long homestand that went so bad. And there's nothing that I can say that will make you feel better or can rationalize what has gone on with this team taking a pretty comfortable division lead and blowing it off in about 10 days, in exactly 10 days. And 
nobody can sit here and tell you that this is not an opportunity lost. Even despite the fact that you go back to the beginning of the season, all the injuries, uh, which they were able to work through and overcome, and then just when you see them getting out of the forest here, they lose their best pitcher and their high-priced shortstop for an extended period of time just when they were about to go out after the All-Star break and hopefully take that very fortuitous cushion and build on it. Nobody could rationalize any of that and say, well, you know, the Mets should be here at 56 and 55, even though in a lot of ways that may be true. I'm not going to sit here and rationalize it. I'm not going to come here, get a guest on, and spout off for an hour or an hour and a half, whatever it is, and repeat the same thing that probably you've been hearing or been saying to yourself over the last seven to ten days. Um, So you're just going to hear from me. You know, this is one of those, it's not an emergency show because it's the regular scheduled Sunday show. This is one of those shows where, you know, you and I are going to look into the abyss and talk about what to expect going forward and talking about, and maybe not talking about, putting in perspective a lot of the hot takes you're going to hear with the day off coming on tomorrow over the next 24 to 48 hours. We know this team is flawed. Uh, It was very clear early on that what we thought this team was, uh, and we said it at times, maybe they're not as good as we thought. And I still think between the quirkiness of all the rainouts and the COVID shutdown and the injuries, and, you know, they pretty much uh, fired the hitting coach a month into the season, and some of the turnover here, it's been a wacky situation. I go back to the winter when I said to you guys, I said, the new owner comes on November 1st. They build, they're trying to build a front office. They're trying to build a new uh, analytics department. They're trying to put everything together. They hire a GM. They fire a GM. They, they promote the assistant GM temporarily. They're trying to get the whole organization back on track. They have all this controversy where they're trying to deal with law firms and HR issues doing all this while they're trying to compete and win and trying to win a title. Most owners come in and say, blow the thing up, start fresh, let's build it anew. Not this guy, not Steve Cohen. To his credit, not Sandy Alderson. They said, you know what, we're going to try to go out there, we're going to try to compete, we're going to try to win. They're going to put their chips to the center of the table. Nobody, I've heard nobody other than me on this show, in the media, bring that up and talk about that. And then I talked about throughout the offseason how... There's so many similarities, and I know I'm repeating myself, so many similarities between the Red Sox fan circa 2000 and this Mets fan right now. That's why I thought guys like Jared Porter and Zach Scott coming in, coming from that franchise over in Boston, understanding how big it was to win that championship in 2004, how difficult it was and what they're facing. I thought that gave me some hope that they were the right people to make this happen. And even as things get bad here in August, and I read on Twitter how you know, the Mets need to you know, blow up the whole team except DeGrom and Lindor, uh, how uh, they got to shut DeGrom down until next year and make sure he's 100% healthy, as if a 33-year-old pitcher is ever going to be 100% healthy, as his arm is going to never hurt again because they shut him down. All the talk about a team that has played awfully, had a worst possible outcome on this road trip as they possibly can, can, can have had. 
How un- and it's unacceptable. Look, nobody in that clubhouse, despite the positive quote from you heard from Pete Alonso and the baiting question that Luis Rojas was given to kind of uh, bait him into being Pollyannish, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody on that team that's happy about what's going on. We know that. And I think we all should also realize how changing the mindset and the culture that this franchise has been through over the last 15 years, maybe more, 20 years, how enormous of a task it is and how special of a group you have to be to overcome it because demons just don't go away quietly into the night. You know, what did you think? Steve Cohen's checkbook was coming in here and it was just going to write it away? That would be nice. But nothing has been easy for this team. Nothing's been easy since November 1st of last year, since he took over. And what disappoints me here is that, yeah, we can be critical and we can be angry and we can point out all the things that are wrong with this team. Look, they can't hit a fastball. I can't figure it out. I could I could speculate. Is it because they're you know not seeing the ball well? Are they tired? Are uh, is the analytics overwhelming? Are they doing too much classwork on the iPad and not enough just going out there and looking at the pitcher and and seeing and feeling? Is it not having Chili Davis around? Maybe that was the the right guy. I don't think so. I don't think the hitting coach matters. I mean, we could sit here and 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 speculate all you want, but you just can't go here and give in and act like the season's over without going out there and trying to fight. Just 10 days ago, you think anybody in Philadelphia was excited about the 2021 season? Same with Atlanta? I mean, last weekend, the Phillies were losing to the Pirates two out of three. You think they saw themselves in first place a week later? Maybe they did. Maybe that's why they are. And all I keep hearing from, and again, my, the, the subset of Twitter is is probably the subset you'll hear on WFAN, you'll hear on hot take shows on SNY, you know, basically how, you know, how this team needs to be blown up and, and how bad Luis Rojas is and, and whatnot. And I think just taking away from the quotes you've heard the last couple of days, I, I don't take away a team that's happy with being mediocre. I take away a team that has, from day one, focused on the things that make an impact in the game. Yelling, screaming, going on Twitter, uh, panicking, uh, you know, showing fake emotion on the field, which makes you happy. Uh, that doesn't win any ball games. Getting to work, the process. Maybe they have to look at the process. Maybe they have to look at the work. Maybe there's, like I said, maybe there's too much analytical work out there. Maybe that's part of it. But to me, the the MO of this team, especially with this manager, has been staying steady, not panicking, not getting too high, not getting too low, and doing the very boring task of day in and day out basically become you know, basically being a slave to the process. For lack of a better word. And and they've done that and some guys are having great years, some guys are not. Uh Altogether, when you look at this team, as much as you want to be mad at this team, they're in every game. They're having an uh, extremely poor offensive season. I mean, for the most part, they're averaging under three runs a game in, in long stretches. The month of April, I think they averaged under three runs a game. They've had stretches now. They're averaging under three runs a game. With that kind of performance, you shouldn't be 56 and 55. They played way above their heads on defense. 
And maybe that has to do with the prep and the analytics, and, and maybe they have better defensive guys than we think. Uh, the bullpen has been pretty good. I mean, it's had some moments, but it's been actually the MVP of this team. And the starting pitching, I know it's dropped quite a bit since the All-Star break, but when you lose an all-time Hall of Famer out of your rotation, and, you know, you kind of have some regression to the mean that you would have expected from the guys there, including the fact that you were starting pitchers like Jared Eikhoff and doing bullpen games and Robert Stock. I mean, the fact that they go from being, you know, top five starting rotation to maybe the bottom third, that shouldn't surprise you. But overall, when you look at the whole thing together, you know, this team scores like you expected. We're probably in a much different conversation. You know, maybe they're not running away with the division, but they're certainly not two games out in the lost column here on August 8th. You know, that's for sure. So there's a couple of ways this thing could go going forward. You know, we could sit back here and complain and whine and moan, and they can do that, and I don't think they are. Or they could go out there, take the day off, day off, take a step back, take a breather, go out there, beat up on the Nationals, and get healthy. The first step in getting back on track is you got to get a win. I thought that that happened in Miami the other day when Baez basically stole a win. And boy, let me tell you, Baez, what a frustrating player. He's kind of emblematic of what you see about this team right now. But you go out there, you sweep the Nats, you win that series, you get healthy, and then you go in and, and, and like everybody has them buried about the 13 games against the Dodgers and the Giants and you know, last I look, you know, those teams aren't Will Beauties on the road. The Mets are a pretty good home team, so I think they'll do okay in, in the home series. And you got to go out on the road, and, and this is a team that's played horribly on the road all year, really, even when they were better. And uh, you try to compete and, uh, and do what you can. All you could do is take this day by day. But to sit back and not acknowledge that what they have been trying to do from the start how difficult and unlikely it was. And I've never changed my position on this whole thing. It's been extremely difficult, extremely unlikely that they would go out there. And it's been almost like, hey, every time they've had a Thunderbolt, and then they had the ultimate Thunderbolt with losing both Lindor and DeGrom on the same day, that they've been able to kind of like wipe it off, win a series, put themselves in a position. And the division has certainly played a lot into that. And uh, they've been okay. And maybe that's kind of disguised how uh, difficult it's been for these guys. And finally, well, that's catching up with them. As far as Zach Wheeler and what happened today, I, I love, you know, you knew this was going to happen. Everybody's rewriting Zach Wheeler history, how they all knew Zach Wheeler was this no-brainer signing. Look, the contract's very reasonable, and I didn't say that, I never said even back then, that they shouldn't go out and try to sign him. But I also said, if you're going to have all this pitching that's coming home due, including DeGrom, including some of those young players that may start getting out of salary arbitration, like O'Neal and, and O'Neal, Alonzo McNeil. And at that time, you had the old ownership group. There was no indication they were selling. I mean, that was always the thing. I mean, you didn't know what was going on with the sale. And you knew the financial limitations. It wasn't. In, they still had a decent ability to spend. It just wasn't an efficient way to spend. It wasn't an easy way to go about doing business. Uh, you had to say, where are you going to place your bets? 
And I don't think Zach Wheeler was the guy at that time. I don't know if Syndergaard was a better play at that time. You know, you certainly didn't want to have to, uh, you know, risk losing the Grom over that. Um, you go back to 2019. I know he was really good at the end of 18. And maybe you could argue that they should have tried to sign him then. Uh, you know, was, he was coming off some really bad performance and health issues. And he had a half a season of performance under his belt. And then in 19, look at how he pitched against the Braves, the Nationals, the Yankees. I mean, there's a big series late August. This is late August 2019. Mets lose a tough, tough game on Friday night to the Braves at home as they're making their run for the wild card. Zach Wheeler goes out there on a Saturday night and gets down 5 nothing to the Braves. And the Mets came back and they wound up losing late with the bullpen. But that's the Zach Wheeler that just a month or so later you wanted to hand out a five-year contract. A guy who's had Tommy John surgery who has... You know, maybe a smooth delivery, but has, you know, mechanics where his arm drags and he's probably going to have shoulder or arm problems at some point again. Especially with the kind of utilization. The Phillies, basically the Mets developed Wheeler for the Phillies to go out there, abuse the you-know-what out of him, and then at the end of the five years, he'll be, you know, nobody will be paying attention to him anymore. But it's easy because anytime the Mets make a move, it's going to be micro-focused on through the media. This is the task that's in front of this group. And we'll see if they have the chops to be able to handle it. Because today is the first day you saw the Sharks coming out. They've been waiting all year. They've been waiting all year to do this. They've been waiting all year to go after Rojas and bait him. They've been waiting all year to paint Alonzo or somebody in that clubhouse the fool. They've been waiting all year to say, I gotcha. You guys don't care enough. Or you guys can't handle the pressure. Or you guys are... uh, are incapable. And now they got him in their crosshairs. And I think instead of getting angry about the answers, I mean, I thought James McCann was perfect. You got to, you know, they know that they're struggling. You think they're going up there and they're not trying to get a hit? You think they're going up there and they want to go one, two, three? Do you honestly believe this team is coming to the yard saying, how quickly can we get in and out of this place so we could go home? Do you really believe that? Do you think as a professional athlete, that Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil and guys that are still trying to get paid are trying to want to look bad on TV in front of the New York fans. I mean, come on. The most disappointing part of what I've heard all weekend, all weekend, is how quickly the fans want to pack their tents. Because I could sit here and point out a number of teams that had not-so-great regular seasons and looked dead in the water. I mean, one of them, I believe, was the St. Louis Cardinals back, what, 2011, when they went to the World Series and won? Weren't they like 12 games back in August or something? The 06 Cardinals, how, how good did they play down the stretch? Did you pick them with uh, Weaver and Supon in the rotation? Did you pick them to, to, to beat the Mets, who had the perfect regular season? The 87 Twins. Look at some of those Giants teams that won the World Series, 88-win teams. You got Orioles team in 96 that, you know, was basically had the same record as the Mets do now and took the Yankees and, you know, almost beat the Yankees in the ALCS. 95 Yankees look dead and buried in August. They come back and they make the playoffs. They lost in the playoffs to the Mariners. But what I'm saying is, like, you guys sit around and act like this is hopeless and it's not worth watching. This is the game. It stinks the way the game is. It it stinks that this is where they're at. 
It's no fun. This has been the, I mean, on a season that was pretty fun, I got to tell you, the last 10 days, it hasn't been real fun. And the last seven days, it's almost like, why are you, you know, and I, I hear the fans, why are you doing this to yourself? Turn the TV off. But the, the temptation is, if I turn it off, what's going on? And you, what are you going to miss? It's torture. Uh, I don't know where I was listening to. I was listening to uh, a podcast. Oh, I think it was Kevin Clancy of Barstool was on a podcast. And he said, this is almost like a mental illness being this kind of sports fan, doing this kind of thing. Because why in your right mind would you do this to yourself? But my takeaway here is, you know, we could sit here and we could start doing the post-mortem and talk about what this team needs. There's plenty of time for that in the offseason. We know that there is, regardless, even if this team won a championship or went to the World Series, there's changes are coming. We know that. But I, I, I just don't understand how, in a game of baseball where there's 50 games left, there are two games out in the lost column, they've got a plethora of games against the Nats, the Marlins. You think they're going to continue to play as badly as they, as they have against those teams? I don't. And even if DeGrom doesn't come back, and if he doesn't, that's a whole different thing, and, and you know, you got to manage your expectations, and maybe that's part of this whole thing. It is critically important for this franchise to not go down without a fight because that's what the demarcation line is. You had to put the, you know, coming to the ballpark, having a good time, you know, taking the kids on the field to run the bases and all that stuff. That's, that's all good stuff. But at the end, that's the cherry on top. It's about winning and going out there and seeing a team that competes and pushes itself each and every day. And if that means you win a division with 83 wins and make the playoffs and get clobbered in the first round of the playoffs, so be it. You still made progress. Winning, to me, is important. It's critically important. This team needs to continue to push its way back and get this failure yoke off their neck. Even though I thought they did that in 2015 by winning a pennant and going to the World Series, because they didn't win that World Series, it really didn't come off. It temporarily lifted itself a little bit. Think about, you know, and it's funny. We're sitting here. We're putting a stake in these guys. Look at the 2016 Mets and, and where they were. They were under 500 even later in the season. That was, I mean, wild card race division, when you're in a muck of, of teams that are not performing well, and that's what expanded playoff does. It allows teams that normally would be packing it in for the rest of the season to not pack it in and maybe sneak into what is a tournament. It's just so surprising to me how quickly you guys are ready to jump off the bandwagon. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and be Pollyannish because I they haven't hit all year and there's no indication that they're ever going to get out of this funk. Because when you get to August 8th, and you're still averaging three and a half runs a game and have spurts where you're averaging less than three. And this could have been a lot worse because they won two games against Atlanta where they scored a combined three runs in two games. Uh, you got to say to yourself, when is this ever going to change? And it's not just about Lindor, although I'll tell you what, Lindor not being on the field, I feel took a little edge off this team, a little confidence off this team. And they tried to kind of, in the interim, put Baez in there to maybe make up for it. But what I've seen out of Baez, a guy that epitomizes frustration. where he Well, he epitomizes what you see a lot of. These massive hot streaks where everything is going because he swings at everything. And the ball's going all over the yard. And then he goes into these deep valleys. 
So you either feast or famine with that guy. I don't know who's going to give him a seven-year deal. I certainly wouldn't. If he wants to come back, it has to be a short-term deal, and he can't be your you know, Batman and Robin combo with Lindor. He just can't be. Um, that's another conversation for another day. But I think maybe they miss Lindor quite a bit more. And I don't, and I hate to do this intangibles type of thing, but they, they, they just did not, they bend it, but they never broke when he was out there on the field. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, this is a team that took two out of three from Toronto, who, by the way, just wound up smacking the Red Sox around. It looks pretty tough. I knew they were tough when I saw them come to City Field. I mean, I've seen all the AL East teams. I said Toronto's pretty tough. Boston looked tough. Tampa certainly looked tough when the Mets played them. You know, they're kind of sneaky tough where you wake up and go, how'd you lose to those guys? But I think you wanted me to come on here today and you wanted me to rant and rave and scream and yell and, you know, tar and feather everybody, fire this guy, get rid of Rojas. You know, I see guys say, get rid of everybody but Lindor. Well, at least you know there's one smart thing about that comment. You can't get rid of Lindor because he's got, you know, 300-something million reasons why you can't get rid of him and you're locked in for 10 years. But that's just not the way this game works. And that's not how you prepare for work. I encourage you, if you really want to see how things go, go to Trevor May's video uh, blog over there, his vlog, and look at some of his... It's very mundane stuff. Look at his prep videos of what he puts in to each and every day as he prepares for a game. It's nothing that's overly exciting. It's interesting because you get to learn what an athlete puts in, it's boring little stuff. And that's all you can do is continue to put that work in, continue to stay positive, continue to stay focused, and go out there and respect the process. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, all you can do is go back and say, am I doing something wrong in the process? Sometimes it's just not your year. So that's my message to everybody. I think it goes to a couple of things. One, Season's not over on August 8th. It's definitely going to get really hard now for them to win this division. They took a, an opportunity where they were in a great space for the final six weeks, seven weeks, and they threw it all away. Maybe that was something that was begging to happen for a while. I don't think we've seen the last of big baseball out of this team, and I don't think this is the last big series they're going to have. When Philly comes back in September, hopefully they're still in the race. I believe they will be, and I guarantee you the Mets will remember and maybe things will be a little bit different. They're in a muck. They're in a muck with two other teams. All of a sudden, they act like the Phillies are 10 games ahead of them. But most importantly, and, and that's the message today, is it, you cannot think that winning, you can't just say, let's forget it, let's give the season away, it's over, move on. You can't do that. You can't do that. This organization needs to push forward and set a mindset of winning because a 77 and 80, whatever, was that 77 and 85 season? 77, yeah, 85 and 77. That just, if unless they completely fall apart in terms of injuries and they don't get anybody back and that's the best that that group could do over the final weeks, to me that sets a bad first tone for the Steve Cohen era because that looks an awful lot like what we've seen the last 15 years. I mean, this is the most frustrated I've been watching this team, maybe since the end of 2007 when they dropped all those games and blew what really should have been, even a worst-case scenario, a division that you, you could, even if you tried to blow that division, I felt it was hard to blow that division. And they did, to the same Phillies team. This Phillies stuff has been in my craw for years. It was in dormant 
for a while because they were bad in rebuilding. Now they're back and they're as obnoxious and dislike, unlikable as, as they were 15 years ago. Just a different cast of characters. So if you expected to come on here and get rationalizations and me trying to give you the best case scenario, you didn't get that. If you expected me to come here and give you ranting and raving, you're not going to get that. What I just gave, what I wanted to remind you is how difficult of a task this is right now. And how you can't give up on the process this team has put out there because they have put in the work and they have overcome quite a bit. And this has not been an easy season. And there's still a lot of baseball left. There's 50 games left and there's a two game deficit. And you're not going to see them play as bad as they have every day. Because just a couple of weeks ago, they were the, the what's happening to them was happening to the Braves and the Phillies. And look where those teams are now. You don't believe me? You don't buy into it, go into the baseball reference archive, look at a bunch of teams that made the playoffs and even won a World Series, went through similar types of things late in the season going into the playoffs. I don't think the 06 Cardinals are giving back their championship. They won 83 games. Not saying the Mets are going to be the 06 Cardinals, but just want to remind everybody, before you throw this season away, before you punt on this and get ready for football before you start getting ready for the NBA and the NHL or maybe you're like I can't take this this is aggravating and I wouldn't blame you and let me spend the rest of my summer enjoying summer remember that there is a lot of baseball left and they're not the first team to be faced with this kind of situation and look this bad and turn it around and there's still a lot of good players on this team and there'll be plenty of time for us to go through the roster and figure out what went wrong and why they can't hit a fastball and why do they only average three and a half runs a game and all that that, that time is not now. Time is now to remind everybody that, hey, the healing starts on Tuesday with the Nationals. And what a perfect team to face coming home than the Washington Nationals, who at least got a game in the Atlanta series because I didn't want to see them coming in on a long losing streak. And maybe the Mets can continue to, to put the pain on them as they, they clearly sold off and punted on their season. That's all I have for you. I wanted to just to come to you. This is not a very complicated program here. This is truly a program where I felt it was a combination of pep, pep talk and perspective. And hopefully you took away as balanced of a view of where this team is right now after an awful season, excuse me, an awful series in Philadelphia and an awful road trip there where they lost six out of seven. You couldn't have asked for a much worse scenario this past week. It's about as bad of a week of baseball as we've had around here. This is one of the tougher programs I've had to do maybe since I've done the Talking Mets podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Of course, you can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.